And uh, I trust this morning that you are looking forward to, or have been, looking forward to your anniversary. No one forgets their anniversary, do they? That's why you're here, isn't it? You know, coming up to Valentine's Day, it marks the anniversary of me proposing to my wife. And uh, my plans were thrown into disarray when my wife had to work that evening. But then all of a sudden, she tells me that work has been cancelled. She doesn't need to turn up. Somebody else is doing the shift. So suddenly I'm scurrying about looking for a restaurant and they were all booked out. So I took the decision to cook that evening. It's a wonder she still said yes. But here we are 22 years later um, and we, uh, we have four children and uh, they're aged from 19 down to 11 and uh, they've been helping mum with children's ministry and it's great to have uh, Pete and Sandy Lusk here visiting today after a career in kids ministry serving not only at Discovery Church and also as interim senior ministers but also uh, working with, uh, with the children's ministry across churches and uh, Southern Cross Kids Camps. Great to see you guys here today too. You know my uh, kids help mum in children's ministry which she does nationally But they've counted it a great privilege to serve a wider community. Hundreds of kids coming through the doors looking for hope, looking for something. And I wonder what are you looking for this morning? As I share a few thoughts today, I'd like to suggest that at a time of anniversary celebration, it's of critical importance that we are considering what God has called us to do. How it is he wants us to make a difference, how he'd like us to take steps of courage to move beyond the same old, to go out of our comfort zone and to do that which he's not only wired us to do, but what he's called us to do. And what has God called you to do? How has he wired you to make a difference? I'll share a little bit of my story as I speak, but I wonder if I could sow that thought today. Is there something God's asking of you more than just turning up on a Sunday? More than just coming to church, is he asking you to be the church? At a time of anniversary celebrations, we can give thanks for the past, but we honour the past as we build the future. And we build the future by being the church that God has called us to be. What's your part in that? Well, there's a story that goes uh, something like this, um, a, a, a robbery that took place in a cafe a roadside cafe, a little old lady who'd gotten up to refill her drink and a man took the opportunity to snatch her handbag. Another guy in the cafe saw it and he leapt to action, blocked the doorway and wouldn't let this guy pass. And just at that moment, he might have regretted it as the guy's mates sprang from around the cafe with their leathers. They were bikers. And the gang was bearing down on this man in the doorway. He said, I don't care how many of you there are. What you did is wrong. I'm not going to let you intimidate a little old lady and take her belongings. Do your worst. I'm going to take you on. The man died and went to heaven one day. And he turns up and the angel says, why should we let you in here? Well, he says, I'm a courageous person. He tells the story. Angel says, well, courage doesn't get you in by itself, but that's pretty impressive. When did that happen? Uh, About two minutes ago. (laughs) I think sometimes, uh, you know, our acts of courage maybe are more playing in our mind rather than playing in reality. We wish we were more courageous. 
We wish we were stepping out of our comfort zone. We wish, if you're anything like me, to be doing more, to be doing it more quickly and to be scoring more runs on the board of life, the board that counts for the honour of God. Yet don't we sometimes just hold back? Don't we sometimes just wish we were doing more? Not actually put those plans into action. I want to suggest today that there are some keys to being a people of courage. They have a lot to do with how you see yourself. So then will you stand in heaven one day, perish the thought that you get in there by your works. It's by an act of the grace of God who has called you to embrace an identity in his name, to be the person that he's called you to be, to be a person who lives by faith and has that natural courage inspired by the Spirit to make a difference in your world. You see, it's faith that gets us to heaven. It's believing in God, but faith is measured in action. And action is the outworking of courage as you were led by the Spirit of God. Do we have a people of courage here this morning? People who embrace the identity God has given you. You know, my son, some years ago, my eldest, he would, uh, he would be coming up proudly uh, before me in the mornings and, G'day, Dad, what are we going to do today, Dad? There was a spring in his step, an excitement at just being alive. But you know, children have a simple faith, not a simplistic one. It's one of trusting. It's one of feeling safe and secure because of their parents, the identity they have, the name that they carry. They don't think it through. They're just enjoying life. And I'd say to my son, how's my little man? He said, no, Dad, you're big little man. And there was a confidence in him that wasn't arrogance. Just like maybe some people here today have a confidence in God as to who he has called you to be, who he has gifted you to become. But it's measured in action. What is the action that you are doing that would prove, if necessary, in a court of law that you're a Christian, if you came under attack or accusation, would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christ follower? What does the action look like in your world? What is God speaking to you about this year? You know, many people would suggest that uh, there's all these things they're going to do. Some people's middle name is going to. There's a lot of people who would love to go and make a difference. But until it translates not from what I'm going to do but into what I will do and then what I do do, until we can look back and say what I did do, it's maybe just some wishes. Got to get you to turn to your neighbour and say, I'm a did-do-doer. All right, so, so what did you do? What did God call you, call you to do that you did do? She could look back on and say, I've laid the platform of faith and confident expectation that this year, when I do it again, I have a track record. I have some wins. I know that God is for me and not against me. You build your faith and you build courage because courage is seen in the actions that build one at a time. You build momentum 
toward the kind of legacy that you wish one day to leave. And the tips that I want to give you today, I think help us to realise this is not just aspiration, this is something we can build stepwise. And we build it because God is on our side. If you're a Christian here this morning, there is a God who counts it a privilege to call you his child. There's a God who says, I'm for you and not against you. There's a God who says, for example, in Joshua 1.9, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So why is it that you can not have to feel discouraged? Why is it that you can feel very encouraged? Because God is with you wherever you go. And if he is with you, it means he is speaking to you, means he is inspiring faith in you, he is calling you to action, and you can be courageous. You can be God's big little man or woman or child, and it doesn't matter your age. So we're blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, it says in Ephesians 1. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, another of many verses that call us to courage. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Does that resemble your life? Well, you know, eagles are one of the creatures, magnificent birds, that inspire us to courage. They soar above life. And when the winds seem adverse... They just actually respond to the wind and rise to even greater heights. They soar because they're created to do it. When you become a new creation, a child of God, you are given the ability to soar. You have created in you the capacity as a new creation of God to rise above the cares of this life. To respond to the currents, the winds, the adversity and be greater and bigger and better. I love a bit of photography and to take my camera out and to film things like birds of prey. I took some of these shots up at Hillsville Sanctuary a couple of years ago. And it just inspires me to look not only in the moment but afterwards and just see the beauty of God's creation. You know, people are inspired by photography, inspired all the more by being there in the flesh and seeing these birds for themselves. When you see a wedge-tailed eagle, for example, taking off in flight, you see how it can soar at low and at high heights. It helps us to realise no matter how low or high life seems, we are created to soar. We're created to rise above all that life offers and throws at us. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. It's not based on what we feel. It's not what we think should happen. It's not what we believe in the moment about the circumstances. It's what we believe about our God, who is bigger than the moment. So are you soaring? Are you flying? Are you like that eagle who has been created in spite of what you feel to soar? In this life, in your life, amidst the circumstances that you face. I want us to look at uh, a couple of verses that I think will really help us out of a book of the Bible that some of you would know and have read 
the book of Nehemiah. Just before we do that, the interest for, for me in eagles has probably stemmed from having a favourite verse spring out to me not long after I became a Christian. It came from Isaiah 40 in verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So if we want to move from aspiration of what we want to do, of what we think we're going to do, to what we actually do do, let's look at Nehemiah, who was a builder. Let's look at him and how it is that he built. We're told in 1 Corinthians 3 that building was the occupation of Paul. He was working with Jesus to help build the kingdom. And he said that he laid the foundation as an expert builder. Others would build on it. Do those others include you today? You're helping to build the kingdom of God. It's established. God provides every blessing, but he advances it one life at a time. There are people in your world who your pastor is not going to reach because you know them. You are the hands and feet of Jesus to not just care, to not just love, but to be there as an agent for change, to let God move on your words, to allow you to pluck up the courage to step out of your comfort zone and to respond in faith, to dare to believe that if a person needs you, if a person's got a need, maybe you're going to pray and you're going to see that person healed. Maybe you're going to bring them to church and the answer is going to be yes, not no. Maybe by you offering just to assist, you'll build a bridge. And who knows what God can then build further from your step of courage. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Paul says, and that's Jesus Christ. Not a bad foundation. And if he truly has changed our lives and he's called us to be in the building business, let's have a look at what Nehemiah says about that. Nehemiah, in the Old Testament, had a stirring from God to take people in captivity back to their homeland. There's a fair step of courage right there to dare to confront a king and say, uh, I don't know how you're feeling, king, about this captivity thing. It ain't working for us. If it's all the same to you, I wouldn't mind taking a bunch of people back to my homeland because uh, God's spoken to me about rebuilding Jerusalem. It's a fair step of courage because he could have died right there. But see, when God speaks, when God puts a dream in your heart, when God is asking something of you, it requires a step. It requires you to do something with it. And courage is possible because it's no longer just a wish. It's a dream planted by God. When something is birthed in faith... That seed contains all the power for its own fulfillment because it comes from God and not from you. Nehemiah ultimately took people back from Babylon to Jerusalem and they rebuilt. Be a bit like if we were held in captivity in a place, God forbid, like New Zealand. Could you imagine it? <laughs> and after 70 years, getting a little bit comfortable there and saying, well, this is pretty good. I'm quite happy with this life. The kids grow up and don't know Australian rules football. Ain't that terrible. 
I mean, this is the first time I've talked about Eagles as a Collingwood supporter since September, so just bear with me. This is my step of courage. So imagine being in New Zealand and having to come home. Well, home for somebody who's elderly and remembers Australia, a little different a proposition than from kids who've never known. But you see, when God is in it, when God's got a purpose, he works out the details. I was in New Zealand a few years ago and thought after the World Cup cricket that I'd uh, poke a bit of fun at the Kiwis and uh, I was sort of saying, oh, you guys don't seem to win too much at the moment. You must be pretty depressed today. Like, uh, is anyone leaving the country yet? Last one out, turn off the lights. And New Zealander just said to me, we will never leave our homeland, he says, at least not until the All Blacks lose the rugby. And so maybe life isn't really that bad. But on the other hand, when we're faced with the prospect of building, responding to God, it's very easy to look at adversity. It's very easy to look at the pain we've experienced along the way and to say, well, I guess God's given up on me. I guess I can't really do it. I guess I'm not good enough. And then you're longing to make a difference for which you were wired. It just stays at the wish level. So what did Nehemiah do to translate this bold and daring dream into reality? I want to walk you through seven really quick steps from the book. Just a couple of verses. I'm going to use that word courage to spell out these seven keys for you today to be a people of courage. Not to rest on your laurels. Not to say, isn't this a great building? Don't we have great leaders? Isn't this great what God has done? But to ask ourselves, how do we build now into the future and dare to cooperate with God in what he will yet do? Firstly, Nehemiah had to actually go through a process of confession, of owning the past. Not just a general prayer, but a personal one looking at what he had personally done and the people to offend God, to bring them to the predicament. This captivity that they were experiencing was not God's will, but they'd brought it upon themselves by actions. Sometimes our worst actions occur when we stray from God. We maybe have messages playing around in our mind about the things we're entitled to do or what life should look like now because somehow God's let us down. And he hasn't let us down. He promises never to leave us nor forsake us. He's waiting for us to turn our hearts toward him, to open ourselves to what he's saying. This requires a position before God of humility. A posture before him that says, Lord, I can't do this without you. I'm dependent on you because otherwise there is no foundation. For me, I became a Christian at the age of 16. My friends were turning and running away from church and I was discovering God. God got my attention through some miracles. My father was healed miraculously of a back condition. He was in a lot of pain and had before and after x-rays to show that he'd been completely healed, he's never had trouble since. Whilst I've seen many people die of cancer and, and prayers not get answered, I saw two people at that time who were healed of cancer and lived much longer. It was in response to prayer. When I saw that God makes a difference in people's lives today, I wanted a piece of that. 
I'm lying in bed one night and I'm confessing that I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. I was gripped with this sense that I couldn't be sure where I'd be going when I die. Next morning, after sharing a, I was sharing a room with my brother, and after thinking a little bit about um, what, what I was doing the night before, I remembered somewhere that I needed to confess publicly, so I told my brother that he needed to hear me say that I needed Jesus and become a Christian. I finished praying and something must have struck him because he said, I want you to hear me pray too. But how easy is this? My first convert. Fantastic. But you know, I'd love to say that from that moment forward, I just read the Bible and I was fueled with courage that I waited on the Lord and everything went well from there. There are times when life doesn't go well. But the point at which we come back to is the point of God's call and our confession when we have humbly sat before him and said, God, I need you to change my life. When you've sincerely devoted your life to Jesus, when he is the foundation upon which you build, then there's no turning back to your former life. There's no real desire that can ever satisfy like your desire for Jesus. And though my past tried to catch up with me at times, no, there were things that didn't always work. I kept coming back to Jesus who alone satisfied. From the age of 16, I've never had a desire really to stray from church or God because I had a defining experience in that moment of confession. That's where things turned around. That's where you become a new creation. So I wonder though, since then, for some of you if you've been a Christian a long time, whether like me, you've had to confess again. You've had to come back to the place of dependence on God. You've maybe had to admit there are times and seasons where you've justified a different narrative. Maybe where you haven't been building God's way in trying to build something else. You've justified certain courses of action and God's taking you back to the place of dependence upon him. If that's you, do that today before you leave. Confess afresh that you need him or maybe even for the first time. Secondly, we see in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 12 that he slips out through the night and he takes only a few people with him and he starts surveying the land. He does it at night because there's great danger and he's not sure what the detail is that's going to unfold. He just knows he has to be obedient to God's call. His obedience brings a yes response we don't always know what the future is going to look like. That's what living by faith is. You take steps of courage when you don't always know what's going to happen. He didn't tell anyone about the plans that God had put in his heart for Jerusalem, but God had put the plans there. You know, your yes response to God might need you to talk to people. You might need to get clarity. You might need to get some help and assistance. But they're not the ones who determine your response. When you've got a relationship with God, when you're grounded in Him, when it's a rock-solid commitment to Jesus and you've confessed your dependence upon Him, He speaks to you and your response needs to be yes. It's the hallmark of Christian discipleship. Jesus said that discipleship was measured by baptism in the short term as by teaching obedience in the long term. What's your obedience to Jesus like right now? Is your obedience... Measured by you saying yes to things God is saying to you today? Not what he said 10 or 20 years ago. How is God speaking to you today and how are you responding? 
In Luke chapter 8, Jesus told his disciples they were going to get into a boat and go to the other side of the lake. They had to move from the wish to get to the other side and participate in the great healing ministry of Jesus by first getting in the boat. Nehemiah's obedience needed his initial yes, just like God is looking for an initial yes from us today. See in chapter 2 and verse 17. You know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. There's now a conviction in Nehemiah and he's rallying people. Just like when we have a conviction, we're not looking for affirmation from others. We might be looking for encouragement, for clarity, but the conviction that comes from God sets about changing our world. And for some of you, you need to take a step of courage and dare to pray for people that God has put across your path. Some of you need to dare to pray at home if you're not allowed to do it at work, but to never give up, have this relentless passion to make a difference in just the area of life God has called you to because he hasn't called someone else. And is there an urgency that's burning within you today? Coming to this Churches of Christ family the last eight months, I've been talking to people about the desire to raise up leaders, to plant new churches. Because I believe this is an hour and a season of great opportunity to make a difference. We don't just sit on managed funds. We don't just sit and protect our interests and our assets. We don't just sit there and get comfortable on a Sunday. We leverage all that God has done in the past and we leap into action with a fire in the belly. Is that burning in you today? What is tomorrow going to look like in your yes response to God? It's going to be something that propels you into action because it's not the time and the season just to be comfortable and to rest on our laurels. Nehemiah 4 and verse 10, we see the people complaining, getting tired, because there was so much rubble that needed to be moved. You see, they'd begun the building work, now the adversity comes. And so Nehemiah is being tested, and there's a response needed. I call this the big yes. The little yes has us get into the boat. That's the easy part. Jesus' disciples were tested when the storm brewed up on the lake, and experienced fishermen wanted to retreat to the beach that they knew. But Jesus said to go to the other side. And when Jesus is speaking to us, there's faith that's being stirred in our hearts. It's saying, will you act in courage in the face of adversity? Will you maneuver on the currents of life and take advantage of what the devil throws at you and rise to greater heights because though he prowls about like a roaring lion, the Bible says, seeking who may, he may devour, he's not going to devour you and me. When our response is yes in the storms and the big yes pushes through, our response is I don't care about the rubble, I don't care about the adversity, I don't care how hard it is because I know what God has called me to do. How about you this morning? If God's call is on your life, and it is. If God's called you to make disciples, and he has. If God is asking you to be courageous this year as a church, it's not just here on this site, 
but a church that's making a difference right through this region, will your response be yes, come what may? In verse 17 of chapter 4, the laborers interestingly continued working and they had one hand supporting their load and another hand carrying a weapon. You might think this sounds fantastic. You'd like to carry a weapon and unload on some people who are making your life miserable. This is not like when there's a burglar at your house, you've got a phone in one hand and a cricket bat in the other. And we're not hedging our bets. It speaks of spiritual warfare, of an alertness spiritually to the fact that the devil always seems to do his hardest and worst work. The very moment a child of God steps up and says, there be yes. Every time a person says, I want to be a leader, I want to be a church planter, I want to win people in my world for Christ. I'm sick of the past and, and all of the, uh, the, the status quo. I want to rise to new heights. It's at that moment the devil says, well, let's see what they're really made of. And the devil will work through people, and work through circumstances, and he'll even work through you and your mindsets, your emotions, because he wants you to run back to the beach of safety. Anything but to do the work of God and cooperate with the one in whom is great power. Just as I close, another couple. Courage, C-O-U-R-A-G for generosity. I asked for nothing, Nehemiah says in verse, uh, chapter 5, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from the other lands. He was the governor and he asked for nothing. He was a leader and he could, have, he could have abused that position for his own advantage. You know, when you're busy building for God, when you're leading or serving, never lose the heart to be generous. Never lose the heart to continue to do the right thing beyond the one thing. You know, there are a lot of times when you just so want to focus all your energies on the one thing. It stops some people coming to church because suddenly God's called them to Bible college and they've got to write an essay. Sometimes people have got a very demanding job and it's too uh, difficult for them to maybe get on a roster and help out in the local church. There's many people who fail to be generous with their finances, with their time, with their gifts. They don't have the bigger picture because the one thing has become tunnel vision. And as a church, we're not just called to serve as individuals. Yes, you and God as a majority, but never at the expense of what he's doing with the whole church. And finally, on October the 2nd, contemporary translation, the wall was finished just 52 days after we'd begun, it says in Nehemiah 6. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. And people are going to sit up and take notice of a life of courage when they see God at work. Not when they see your best efforts. Not when they see you hedging your bets and coming out triumphant because you've done it all in your own strength. There's a lot of lives lived like that. A life of true courage built on the foundation of Jesus that endures until the end. It will go through the bump and grind of life. It will go through adversity. There will be difficulties and hardships. And you will learn and advance a step at a time 
But you're going to get there because God is with you. He is for you and he's not going to let you down. I wonder what step of courage you need to take today. And is it possible that as you look yourself in the mirror, you don't like what you see? Well, I don't want to discourage, but to encourage and to ask you as you look in the mirror of God's word today, can you dare to see a child of God who's been called to great things? Can you dare to believe that we together, as a church, as a movement of churches, as people with a common heart to make a difference, whether we plant a church, whether we serve in the local community, whether we run a small group, whether we run an international aid agency, whatever it is that God is asking you to do, could it be that there would be fires lit in the hearts of people that say, I remember that 10th anniversary. I remember that time when we celebrated the past. That was the catalyst to my future. That was the place where God launched me. Is he possibly launching you this morning? Would you stand to your feet, please? And ask with every head bowed and every eye closed that you consider today whether perhaps God is calling you to some specific action this week. Some of you felt challenged about the need to pray for others. You've been focusing on yourself and what God's doing in you and what your response is. God's asking you to get out of that comfort zone today. He's asking you to be an agent of change in your world. He's asking you to pluck up the courage to have a conversation of faith, to invite somebody to church, to take time out of your busy schedule and follow them up, and to endure with those dreams and visions that God's planted and that some of you perhaps today have given up on. And I wonder if as I lead you in prayer, whatever it is that you need to do, whatever your response, can I remind you that the best of intentions are not enough. You can't just have the intention this morning, but there's got to be the step of courage. And let your yes to God now be a yes that says, I'm going to walk out this door and I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to pick up that phone. I'm going to go and speak to that person. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to sign up for that course. And whatever it is, let your yes be your yes before God. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for the life that you've called so many of us in this room to, a life of daring and courage, to ride on the winds of life and soar to greater heights, confident in you and the call that you've placed in our lives. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus for the privilege of serving. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us not to reckless courage or bravado, but to a response to the God of heaven speaking to our hearts. And Lord, we want to not just hear, but we want to obey. We stand watch to guard against what the devil may seek to steal. Yet we rebound with a yes and a yes again tomorrow and the next day. Lord, change our world through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.